Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Uh, uh, some real insight. Uh, before we get started, let's uh, all agree that boys and girls are different. Amen. And so when you are rearing your sons, you do it a certain way. And when you raise your girls, you do it a different way. Amen. Uh, in an age where we are hearing stories about people who are choosing to say, well, I'm not going to raise my son or my daughter and orient them in a certain way. Uh, that's not true. It's in there. It's put there by God. He created them male and female. Uh, and our society today here in America is trying to find the far extreme circumstance where there might be some sort of um, uh, genetic uh, mix up uh, that might happen to you know, one out of every 50 million people and then want to create laws with respect to that. You, know, you don't create laws for the extremes. And, and so a very, very good insight. And so especially if you're raising uh, daughters and then when we're done, we should have time for some good questions and a very good discussion on this. And so uh, we're gonna go ahead and shut out the lights and get started with Dr. Dobson. In the morning, I would be eating breakfast. My dad would walk up and uh, didn't mean to be mean, but he would kind of pinch her uh, fat right here and say, you know where what you're eating's gonna go? It's gonna go right to your legs and hips. And it wounded her deeply because it said, what all those people out there are saying about you is true because my dad is saying it too. I could elaborate on that, but I think you understand. Now, what can a father do specifically to meet the needs of his daughters? Um, I talked in my book about the three T's. I hope you won't forget them because there are three things that matter to women and to a girl. The first is talk. Women connect emotionally through conversation. Right, ladies? Am I right about that? <laughs> that matters. A lot of these girls that I was uh, talking to and interviewing said, my dad does not know where I am. He did not even sit me down and ask why I was coming to this institute. It was a semester-long program. He didn't ask because he doesn't ever ask me anything. And when you don't talk, that is evidence of rejection. And it's true not only for dads and daughters. It's true for men and women. Conversation is the key to relationships. Uh, Shirley and I were in a Luby's restaurant about three months ago. We were in Houston, Texas. 
we sat down at this table and I was seated where I could see and hear a young couple uh, that were not married that were sitting just five feet away. I just sat and watched them. It was really interesting. I'm sure it made them uncomfortable, but uh, I was listening to the conversation. And the girl, she's probably 20, I would guess, she was talking a blue streak. She never stopped. She would start out on a story, and it would run and run, and this guy is sitting there, and he is bored after death. And he's just looking at her. And when she finishes, he didn't have anything to say. He didn't comment on it at all. And there would be this awkward silence, and she'd take off again. And she would talk, 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 and he would sit there. I, I don't think he had an original comment to make all the time he was sitting there. And I thought, you jerk, don't you understand that this girl needs to talk to you and needs you to talk back? I almost got up and told him so. <laughs> that it went on and on. We finished our meal at the same time that they finished theirs. And would you believe the, the next thing she did is she reached down, got her purse, pulled it up, went plowing through, got her credit card, and paid for the meal. If that woman should be so foolish as to marry him, he will drive her crazy the rest of her life because he's not going to talk to her. You show me a wife whose husband won't talk to her, and I'll show you a frustrated woman because women need to talk. They need it. Women use about 20,000 words per day. <laughs> I mean, this is scientifically truthful. Um, 20,000 a day. Guys speak about seven. <laughs> so it's just we're made differently. I told you about the brain being marinated with testosterone and it, that damages communication skills. When, when women say guys are brain damaged, there's a little truth to that. But God did not make men to be nurturers primarily. He made men to take care of their family, to meet their needs, to provide for them, to protect them, to help supervise the kids. A lot of things that men do better than women. But talking is not usually one of them. And I don't know why we're such a talky family, because, um, you know, that is very much a characteristic of what we do at home. But anyway, it's, it's so important for a father to talk to his daughter, engage her, find out what's on her mind, find out what she cares about most, and so on. That's the first T. The second one is touch. Women want to be touched, and girls want to be touched. Um, and especially female children want to be touched. Uh, Danae and I had a great relationship in those early years, and she 
was all over me. She would climb on my back when I was watching a football game, take her Barbie dolls and get up there and play with them. She was just very physical with me. Then it so happened a few years later that both Ryan and Danae got the chicken pox. And I've never had the chicken pox. And I didn't want the chicken pox. <laughs> that can do some pretty terrible things to a man who's grown, and I didn't want the chicken pox. So I stayed away from Danae and Ryan for about seven or eight days. I, I didn't say anything. I just didn't touch them. And Danae went to Shirley and said, Daddy won't touch me anymore. I hadn't realized just how important that is in a relationship. Uh, let me tell you another piece of research that I think you will find very interesting. Hugs are very important uh, for boys and girls, but especially for girls. And so a man who will hug his daughter is showing love for her. But when a girl goes into puberty, dad often gets very nervous about that. And she's developing breasts. He does not want to do anything inappropriate. It's not a sexual thing. It's, it's that he doesn't want to accidentally touch her in a way that will be uh, embarrassing to her. And so he pulls back. Instead of throwing his arms around her, he leans back. I call it the leaning tower of Pisa uh, because he is, you know, he doesn't want to do anything wrong. And those girls, those 40 women that I was talking to talked about that. Daddy won't touch me anymore. And they interpret it as rejection. And they see the little brothers and sisters climbing all over Dad. And now he seems to uh, be afraid of them and pull back. I'm saying to the men, keep doing what you've been doing, Dad, because your daughter needs you to hug her. There's an appropriate and inappropriate way to do it, but that's a way of telling her that you love her and care for her. So touch and talk. And the third is time spending time together. Uh, when Danae was uh, two and three, it was a personal affront to her that I went to work in the morning. She didn't think that was right. I should not be leaving. I would get my briefcase and I would get ready to go and Danae would cry. And I came home at night and I said, now Danae, you have to understand, Daddy's got to earn a living. I've got to go to work. And Danae teared up and she said, it's okay, Daddy, I forgive you. <laughs> because it was almost an insult when I was not going to be there with her all day. So I really began to, didn't they come up, would you? I would like you to talk a little bit about that. You remember those years, don't you? I sure do. Um, we formed a, a very special bond that started the day I was born, really, mm -hmm. and continued through my early childhood. And 
we kind of hit the skids in my adolescent years for a couple years there. Well, uh, you've mentioned that twice. There must be <laughs> something there we need to talk through. <laughs> <laughs> I think we worked through most of it. But um, you, you did talk to me, and you did touch me, and you did spend a lot of time with me. And I can remember being just two or three years of age and standing in the front yard and watching your Volkswagen head down the street. And mom and I were waving and waving, and I just wanted you to acknowledge me so you much. You know, I remember that too, and I didn't see you. I really didn't see you until I got clear to the end of the street. Yeah, and, yeah. and I waved even faster, you know, and with a lot more vigor because I just wanted you to acknowledge me. And you got all the way to the end of the street, and I saw your hand go up and move like this and I just derive so much satisfaction from that because when you're two or three years of age being acknowledged by your dad as you're waving to him when he's leaving driving down the street that's that's huge that's a big deal and sound like a big deal but it is now uh, when you were five we began riding bikes together on Saturday Yes. And uh, you had your little bike, uh, which you got for your birthday, and I had mine, and I got for my birthday. <laughs> Tell people about that. Well, even before that, you had a little seat on the back of your 10-speed, and you would put me on the back of your bike, and you had a little Craig tape recorder, mm -hmm. and you had a cassette of the Cinderella production. It was um, Rodgers and Hammerstein, the, the television production. Anybody remember that? No. Uh, a lot of you. Uh, it has wonderful music. And we would pedal down the street, and you would play that little cassette, and we'd listen to the songs and sing, sing along. Them. Yeah. Yes, we did. And, and uh, that was a very special memory for me. We would go to the on. sandbox, remember that? Yes, I, I was very much into the whole princess scene, uh, particularly Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty. And so he found common ground with me in that regard. And he would take me to the park and we would build sandcastles together. And his sandcastles were very detailed. He had a moat and a drawbridge. <laughs> And I used to love to take a little container and fill it with water and then pour it into the moat. It never lasted very long, got mm. soaked up pretty quick, but I, I love to do that. And I push you on the swings, mm -hmm. and then we would do something afterwards. Do you remember that? Yes, uh, food. <laughs> we would go to uh, Tacolita, which was just a, a little family-owned business, and we would get a little 99-cent taco and then go get some ice cream after that. And that's important to uh, point out that it really doesn't take a lot of expense or extravagance to do something that will cause your child to have a memory that will last for a lifetime. And uh, just a little, you know, yeah. taco stand. It, it didn't uh, take a lot of money, and it didn't take a lot of time. I mean, a couple of hours on Saturday morning, right. uh, and that really became a point of connection. You have to find what matters to the kid, and princess kinds of stuff was where I found Danae, and so we connected there. Now, uh, before you go, I have to tell everybody something. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, this is not going to be good. <laughs> You know, I wrote a book called A Strong-Willed Child. Oh, of course. <laughs> Go ahead. She's the inspiration for the strong-willed child. 
Everybody thinks it's Ryan. It's yeah, Ryan. Ryan was not a strong-willed child. He was sneaky. <laughs> but Danae was the strong-willed one, and um, we have come to terms with that. You know, that brings me to a question that I would like to pose to you. Oh, really? You're telling all these good people I'm strong-willed. Just where do you think my strong will came from? <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're going to change the subject. Well, here. well, actually, we're not going to change the subject just right this second because I would like to say you don't see me writing a book entitled The Strong-Willed Father. <laughs> and I'd have a lot of material to work with. <laughs> I I'm love sorry you, I brought it up. <laughs> now, one last thing. You gave me some advice when I was talking about women and about the relationships with dads, the pain that's out there. And you told me I needed to say something. Yes, I did. Because you gave a presentation at a church last year, and I invited about five or six of my girlfriends to join us. You talked about these principles of time and touch, and yet you didn't address the girls out there who didn't have that upbringing and one of my girlfriends was abused by her father not sexually but physically and verbally and she was sitting there and my heart just went out to her and I thought dad you've got to say something to the women here whose hearts are breaking who can't yeah. relate yeah. to uh, this father-daughter bond you're talking about thank you I will do that okay okay I, I want to thank you for being a wonderful father and just to take this opportunity to express my appreciation for everything that you did to sacrifice uh, to make my childhood years so wonderful actually what Danae just said is what motivated me to say to you all a few minutes ago that there are women here who have experienced this, have gone through it, and are working their way through it. Really, there's no uh, real simple way to take an eraser and expunge all the things that had happened earlier. But I can tell you this, that it's not too late. As long as there is life, you can still make a connection. And I say that to the fathers who are a little older, and I say it to the grown daughters as well, that sometimes all it takes is a little initiative to once again make an effort to make that relationship what it ought to be. And I want to read you something in closing. We did a radio program on Father's Day where we asked the women who were listening to us to call and record a message to their fathers about Father's Day. We got 600 calls, and we went through every single one of them, and they would touch your heart to hear them. One of them I have a transcript of, and this came 
from a woman who had had a bad relationship with her father. She said, hi, I'm Kathy from Georgia with a letter from my daddy. I don't know where things went wrong, where the pain, prescriptions, and alcohol began. I was just a kid. You tried to never let me down, Daddy, but many times you did. Daddy, in 1978, always and still, I was thinking of you as Father's Day approached. I searched in vain for just the right card for you, my darling Daddy, and I mailed it late. But Daddy, all day long your phone was busy. You died alone on the floor beside your upturned phone on Father's Day. When I got to Portland, my card was still in your mailbox. You never knew, Daddy, that I was too late. God help me always remember that late is better than never. But in this case, it was not good enough. Daddy, you died without experiencing my care and my love on Father's Day. Kathy's words still echo. You hear what she said? Always and still. She's a grown woman now, and she still is reaching for her father. And it's not too late to make that connection. You can ask for forgiveness, and you can express your heart's desire. And I hope that something that I have said today will motivate that because family conflict is so prevalent. It's really everywhere, and especially where there is alcoholism or there have been other uh, difficulties like that. And don't let these years pass by without taking the time to once again say, I love you. You are the only father I will ever have. And for a dad to say, I made mistakes. I was not perfect, but let's do better. And I leave you with that thought. It's been wonderful being with you all. I just, I love you. Thank you all. And God's blessings to you. Okay, we're testing. All right, well. That was pretty heavy. Okay, so um, we're talking about uh, bringing up uh, girls. And um, so uh, very, very powerful insights. And um, let me just go over a couple of things. We'll open it up. And how different it is to raise daughters uh, than it is to raise sons and understanding these dynamics. Uh, one is uh, the idea that conversation is very important to a woman. How many ladies can just wave at me and say that's, that's sound doctrine? And uh, how uh, important it is uh, to talk. And this is a challenge because men are not like that, or most men. I've had women, I've said that many times and had women say, my husband talks more than I do. I said, well, you are the exception. Uh, the truth is that um, conversation is very, very important. 
the mistake I think sometimes men make, if we just speak in terms of men and women talking, is that women will share, want to talk about what's going on, uh, but men think they want an answer. They don't want an answer. They just want to talk about it. And, um, and, uh, and then he made the statement that no talking is perceived as rejection. And so we're thinking now in the context of girls now with their fathers. And so there's, there, obviously there are two levels, two dimensions to this this morning because uh, we're sitting here and you're thinking about your daughters. Your daughters might be little, they might be in Sunday school right now, they might be teenagers, and you're thinking about this. But at the same time, we have adult women here, you're thinking about your father. And you're thinking about how this dynamic has affected you. And so pressing in to conversation is very, very important. And if you have daughters, to take the time uh, and to do special things with them, um, I could feel it. When he described uh, taking his five-year-old daughter on bike rides and, and going to the park and going uh, for a taco and, and an ice cream and just investing that time, and here his adult daughter is probably, I think she's right around my age, uh, saying how she remembers these occasions vividly in her life and uh, the impact and, uh, and, and saying, you know, okay, I, maybe you can't uh, do all of that, but you can do something and, and take those times and do what you can to invest in them and spend a little time and understand that they need that. If you're a father here this morning and you do have small uh, children, uh, take your little girls on dates. Take your little girls out, give them some special moments do some things they just respond to that it's a big deal to them uh when uh you know uh, uh, uh lots of fathers here uh, i don't advocate going to the prom i think that's a very bad decision i'm big i say that publicly but uh, when your daughter gets to finishing school and it's that time of the year and she's watching all the girls at, at school talk about it and the buzz uh, you know, she's a girl. She, she, the idea of getting dressed up and going out somewhere nice, that has a deep appeal to her. And so uh, I, I wouldn't just say to her, hey, you know what, uh, you carnal, uh, you know, what's the matter with you, you worldling? But you'd be much better off saying, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take you out. We're going to have, we're going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to treat you better. And, and make that investment and, and, and give her a memory. And then he mentions touch. And this is such an important thing. And so we live in such a, a perverted, a twisted world that even touched, even the fact that he mentioned it, some of you kind of pull back because things are so bad now. But little girls need a touch. They need the affection of their father. Girls were created by God to be married. Can't you listen to me this morning, okay? The woman, uh, the Bible says the man was not created for the woman, but the woman for the man. That is it. So that, what that means is that she finds her identity in the context of male relationship. That is how she understands herself. Now, I can tell you, having said that, I would inflame a lot of people just begin angry at just even making that statement. But it is true. She sees herself and her identity in the context of the men in her life, her father, and then later on, her husband. That is how she gets her value. Uh, the Bible says that uh, women, uh, they, uh, uh, when they were to be married, that the suitor had to come and he had to offer a bride price. 
In other words, he just didn't show up and say, uh, I'm going to marry your daughter, and if you don't let me, I'm going to marry her anyway, anyway. You know, he, uh, he had to go, and he had to pay up a bride price, and the father would look at his daughter, and then he would determine a value. He would say, this is what it's going to cost you to marry my daughter, and there's that little girl looking at her father, price her, value her, set a price on her, and, and so we can say, well, that's you know, an old culture, that's what they do in in primitive uh, civilizations and on and on. But the dynamic of that is still true, that a girl does get a sense of her value and her worth from her father. And so when a father tells her that she's beautiful, when he hugs her, when he holds her close, when he reaffirms her, when he is proud of her, when he does that, all of that is raising her sense of worth her sense of value and worth in herself. She begins to understand, I have value when that is not there. When the father, like he just mentioned, you know, for, for various addictions or you have a broken home, a girl who doesn't know her father, that also can cause her to not see worth or value in herself. He may not even be involved in that when she gets in those years and now all of a sudden boys are coming around and young men and they're trying to court her, suit her, and he doesn't step in, and he doesn't say, well, wait a minute, this is my jewel here, this is my prize, this is my, this, you know, and insert himself. In one sense, she's upset, because daddy, you know, no one's going to want to marry me, but in the other sense, she feels good, because he's acting like she's worth something. And so these things are in there. So, so the idea of affection and attention uh, is, is reinforcing this in her and helping her understand this. And then he mentioned time and uh, taking the time to do things. And, and I would say here, uh, if you still have a daughter at home, take the time. Figure out how to schedule that. Mom, uh, if your husband says to you, look, uh, I want to do this with our daughter and go out, don't, don't fight him, don't resist him on that. Don't, don't treat your daughter as a competitor to you. You know, you give him that opportunity to do that uh, for her because it will have uh, an immeasurable impact in their lives. You know, it's, it's, it, you want a lesson in life is when your kids grow older and they're adults, the things they remember, okay, are not the things you would expect them to remember. And it has more to do with these things than anything else, okay? So... Um, uh, okay, I'm going to open it up. We've got some time here. I don't want a lot of comments. Okay, I want some questions that will lead to kind of where people are at. I know it's easy, we, 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 but let's see if we can get some very good questions that can lead to some healthy conversation. It's very easy to have a lot of comments, but let's see if we can do that. Yvette, you can get us started this, this morning. Um, I saw my, my daughter turn around and look at me when you said some men talk a lot. Probably when I'm getting after them, I kind of do that. You know, and my wife has told me, hey, you know what? You probably said that like 10, 15 times, and she's being kind about that. But my question to you is, um, how much do we address an issue? How, you know, how, many, how much can we talk to them, counsel them, or in, you know, to the point where, okay, you know what? I just got to trust, trust God in this, you know, and I'm going to just see how it, everything goes, and then I'll deal with it afterwards. Or do you go that far? Um, okay, so you're saying that maybe there's something that you feel like you're repeating 
over and over again, yes. but, but you're not really seeing the results that you want to see. Right. Okay, that's very common. And, and uh, how many, come on, all, all you raise kids, that's common. Okay, uh, when kids uh, get into their teenage years, their bodies grow and their ears shrink. And, uh, and so that's, it's very common that you do that. And so what you have to do is you have to figure out how to get through to them. How to communicate as your kids begin to get a little bit older because they don't lock in. Pretty soon it becomes white noise, it becomes background noise. Um, you know, the old saying that, or not the old saying, but you know the fact that there's a, there's a certain pitch that you can create to know, that the, uh, a mature ear can't hear, but a, but a teenage ear can hear, right? And, and, uh, and so they hear things differently. And after a while, they just feel like you're on their case and you're nagging them and it's the same old thing. They already know where you're going to go and they just tune you out. So you, have to, you do have to say, okay, how do I communicate with them and how do I get their attention? Because this isn't working. What do I have to do to figure out what's going on? And particularly if it's a, as an, a behavior or some sort of a, a, a tick in just the way that now they deal with things, you're going to have to figure out, okay, what's the strategy that's involved? Major issue, though, is the things that he just mentioned right here, the fundamentals, and that is that if you're losing a grip of the relationship, okay, you know, kids can't articulate. They feel things without knowing why they feel them. But I can tell you that a, a daughter who feels neglected by her dad will act out because she wants attention. She doesn't sit there and think, you know what, I want attention, so I'm going to do this. But that's what's driving. It's the wind that's driving the conduct. She feels, you know what, this is what's going on. Your little girl comes home at 13 or 14, and some boy has walked her home. And sometimes nowadays it's even younger than that. A father better, better understand, okay, you know what, she wants attention. And she thinks that she likes feeling the attention and so if she feels like she's not getting any attention at home. So then now all of a sudden, um, uh, 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 you know, Tupac is coming and, and, and trying to pay attention to her and all this stuff, some hoodlum and all that. And, and that has a powerful effect. And so there's two ways to handle it. One is to go to Tupac and threaten his life, <laughs> which I'm not saying is not wrong, uh, but... But the other way is to say, you know what this really is? My daughter is saying, I need attention. It's not that she's loose. It's not that she's evil and all this stuff. It just means that something in her is craving what God created her for and was intended to be met through her father. Okay. All right, Mondo. I think my, I have a, you know, it's more of a, a comment, but it, just to kind of give men to, something to think about. Just like you were saying, I think um, one of the things that, I realized, which I didn't, um, I guess in my mind, I didn't really uh, understand what was happening. I, for a point, uh, there, was, there was a point where um, I was coming home and I saw Sarah kind of almost distant. And I, I didn't, you know, at that time I was like, okay, well, she's whatever, kind of maybe just going through something, whatever. I'm just kind of, kind of step back and just let her just go through it, talk to her, you know, maybe next week, whatever. And so... I kind of just let it play out, and then um, I realized one thing, you know, because I had been spending so much time with Kevin trying to focus on trying to teach him how to be a man that I kind of just, you know, almost 
I don't want to say I neglected, but I just kind of just like was just focusing on one thing or one person. So then later on, you know, Sarah and I kind of just talked and I said, you know, I, I talked to, uh, to Lauren. I said, hey, something's not right, you know, so I don't know what's going on, whatever with Sarah, but I think, you know, I need to talk to her. So anyway, I talked to her and then I, I, I come to realize, you know, she started telling me, hey, well, I kind of felt this out that, you know, you were um, not paying attention to me. You were focusing or talking more to Kevin or spending more time with him. And then I realized, I said, you know what, you're right. And, I, and that kind of just opened up just, I'm a man, I've raised, you know, uh, boys that don't know anything about girls, you know. So I told her, I said, you're going to you're gonna have to let me know what you're thinking, what you're feeling, because I don't know, these, I don't know anything about girls, you know. Yeah. And, and we did, and, and because of that, you know, we said, we're going to try to at least spend, you know, go on a date at least once a week, just try to spend time, even just go get ice cream or some of the sour stuff that she likes. But anyway... We just, we, we kind of made that a point yeah. because as men, you know, we try to fix things or we, we don't understand certain things. And so that's exactly what happened, you know, kind of just step back a little bit, you know. Yeah, very good. And so uh, you're right, because what Mondo uh, is saying is that there is the idea that, well, the men raise the men, the women raise the women. But that's not true. The girl sees herself in the context of that man. And so there's a role that that man plays I mean, it's pretty powerful when she makes the statement that when you're three years old and your father acknowledges you, it means something. Just that. You know, how I many know when your kids, you, you don't think that they care, they're too busy playing with their toy, but to just to bask in the attention of their father is a very, very, very powerful thing. And some of you, you, you have small children right now. I'm going to preach on raising kids here at this morning service. And you have that that they bask in that. And, and uh, you know, I mentioned the other day, when you get older and your kids are now old, that, I'm telling you, you, you wish they were small sometimes. And you could have that back because you don't really, sometimes because you're so caught up with the responsibilities of child raising and, and everything else that you, you forget that as you get a little bit older, how much these kids want that. And so it really does matter, uh, especially when talking to girls. Okay, Selena. Pastor, my question to you is, well, you say that the women raise the girls and the men, the, the men raise the boys, but if there's not a man in the home, <clears throat> can a mother raise her daughter with the same type of values, can I stalk Tupac and go tell him, hey, no, oh, yeah, you're not you going to do you this. You can stop Tupac, yeah. <laughs> can, you know, um, and, and would I use the same type of formula that Dr. Dobson was talking about with, um, you know, touch, time? Yes, and, but, but this is a very good question, Selena, because that's true. We got a lot of fatherless girls, don't we? And so the issue is, I would say to a single mother raising, whether it's, we talked about bringing up boys and now girls, that is you're going to have to get some, some help, some male help. That's why we have a church. And you want to build a relationship and you need to, your son is next to you and you're saying, okay, I want to connect him to other men. There, there's a point, you know, that story in the Bible where Hagar has Ishmael and he gets to a point where she just can't do any more with him. And she's desperate. And so I, I, I remember reading that verse one time and, and just realizing that is exactly how a lot of single mothers feel. 
because there's not that man there. And they're like, I've done as much as I can. And he's got to connect. And so the same thing is true even with your daughter that, okay, you're going to be able to work with her and develop her. But at the same time, I've got to connect her and allow there to be a male influence. Some women, they have their father who can do that. They're in that kind of setting. Sometimes it's within a church and saying, okay, I, I've got to allow for that. Reach out, build strong, trusting relationships so that there are males that can kind of take an interest in her life and help her and try to, and, and start kind of meeting that need. Because as a, a little girl, she's going to grow up and she wants to get married. Every little girl, believe me, when we have a wedding, it's the only time all the little girls in church are quiet. They're, they're, paying, they're, they're locked in because there's something put there by God that wants to be the princess, that wants to be the bride, that, that, that has that. So she's looking for men that, can reference off, that she can reference off of and kind of find out where she is and locate herself. That's part of it. So your job, I want to put her around men that will be good reference points for her that she looks up to. That so because all of that comes down to so that when she chooses a man, she's going to choose that man because she has these things in place. And so you're, you say, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a social person. I'm going to reach out. I'm going to build friendships. I'm going to build relationships, create an area of, tr- of trust so that she's surrounded by these men to kind of help her when she has to make those choices. Okay? It's a good question. Greg Johnson and then Oscar Jaime. I, I just want to say that, you know, uh, in for uh, single mothers and stuff like that, grandparents p- play a big role. You know, I, I look at the, my relationship with my granddaughters, and I count it as a privilege to be able to be an influence in their lives. Very good. Very good. All right, Oscar? Uh, Pastor, I'm going to pose this as a question because um, I've noticed it, but do you, would you agree that technology plays a huge role as far as almost being a distraction or a wedge between the father-daughter relationship to where now you have kids that instead of wanting to spend time with their parents, they're like all into their technology, right? So you take that away and all of a sudden they want to, you know, okay, well, what are you doing, Dad? Or now they want to hang around with you. But would you agree, disagree? And if you could elaborate on that. <laughs> I agree. So, uh, um, but, it, but it's true, okay? So we are raising kids in a different world nowadays, right? And the reason why is access. I don't know why I was thinking about this. I was in Africa uh, this past week. Uh, you know, when, when, and when I was growing up, okay, our first phones were uh, called party line phones. How many of you people remember party line phones? Okay. And so a party line phone meant that you shared the line with uh, total strangers. So we'd pick up the phone. They, somebody else would be having conversation, which was... Not good because we would leave the phone up and listen in. And, and then you would wait for them. They had to hang up before you could make your call. And, and so you went to that, and then we finally got a phone, and we had one phone in the house. And, you know, my, my father was, a, you know, he had a good job. He was a, a professional. You know, it wasn't like we grew up in, in, in poverty, but you just had one phone in the house. And there, and if, and there was a busy signal. Didn't some of you didn't know that? It used to be you'd call. You're on the phone. It was busy. It didn't 
break in. I remember when they first started where they had call waiting and all. I mean, it was like, wow, you, you know, you could call and then you could have uh, answering machines. And, and, uh, and so where we are today, my, my, my point being that there was very limited access. There were three TV stations. There was no cable. There was no uh, video. There was nothing else. And so it was a lot easier, I think, Oscar, you're right, because you had very limited access and you controlled you controlled the, the flow of information into your home pretty much. Uh, but today, there's so much out there where you're right. This need for attention, I mean, we know it. Let's, be, let's shoot straight here this morning. Your daughter, your daughter could be 10 years old, and then she can get on um, Facebook, Kick, any social media platform as a 10-year-old, and immediately she'll get attention. You know why? Because she's a female and she's 10 years old. That's, that's the fact. That's, that's how bad it is. If you've got, a, you got a, a, a daughter, listen to me. Your daughter could post a picture of herself, and that picture will go into a social media platform, and within 24 hours, I guarantee you, she will start being contacted by men around the world. So... Here, think about it. Here we have a girl. She wants attention. She's created by God to have that attention in her life. And she's looking for that. She doesn't feel she's getting that from her father. Maybe her father's not there. or Maybe her father doesn't, you know, they just don't have that. And then all of a sudden, and, and you, you, you know, then we go and we jam the little girl. What's wrong with you? Don't you know what men are like? And, and you're sitting there, and it's not like she's calculating in her mind that she wants to be Loose or she, nothing. It, she doesn't even get it. All she's saying is, hey, man, I'm here. I want attention. That's what we're up against. That's what every, every uh, parent here needs to understand when you're working with your daughter. She's longing for that. And now you have a world here that will bypass all the moral boundaries that used to exist and be able to jump right in there. And sadly, that, that has a terrible effect on a lot of uh, girls. Uh, Pastor Moreno, I think I saw your hand. Uh, Pastor, your advice, your counsel uh, on this question, which one of the parents should handle for the little girl growing up uh, the talk about uh, sex? Thank you for that question. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Pastor, I just figured these people, a lot of people won't ask you, but okay. I guess I will. <laughs> Oh, no, no, uh, I, 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 you know, I, I would absolutely believe that the mother needs to talk to the daughter about that. I think daughters would be very embarrassed to, uh, to go into that arena, you know, and so, uh, no, absolutely, the mother is the one to speak and, uh, uh, you know, talk about stuff like that. And uh, uh, next question, all right. <laughs> I see a hand, Josh Steele. Uh, Pastor, uh, I thought I had a strong-willed daughter, and I talked to you many times about her, and then I found out I have another strong-willed daughter. <laughs> and uh, a lot of times, you know, the, you joke about it over the, the pulpit that, you know, you come home and mom says, you need to beat your, you know. And I get this, this picture in my head that that's all that my daughters are seeing from me. And... And every time I discipline them, I end it with a hug and talk to them. I love you. You know, it's not 
that I, I don't like you, it's that I don't like the way you're acting, and I spend time with them. But my fear is, is that as they grow older, they only see the dad who spanks them and disciplines them, and they miss out on the dad who loves them and cares about them. So can you address that? Please? Yeah, I, I want to quote Dr. Dobson's daughter. So where did the strong will come from? <laughs> Okay, uh, uh, it's true, but, but here's the thing, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that in this morning's sermon, is that the truth is discipline done right, kids grow up and they value and appreciate that, and they, they, they uh, label that as attention. And so when done right, done properly, when you discipline your child, they're going to grow up and they're not going to see that dad was always beating me. They're going to say that dad was paying attention to me. He was focusing on me. Especially if you, and so you got to take the opportunities when you're not having to be the disciplinarian to, to do the things that we talked about. Take them out for those special dates and let, and let them bask in your presence. You know, and so you, you've got to have that balance. But done right, discipline, believe me, when kids get older, they're not, they don't view it. They, view, they really do view it as love. Really do. Now, let me just say this. I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to say to parents here, some of you here, God love you, but you do not discipline your kids. And the reason you don't is because you think that they're going to have these terrible memories about you spanking them, and they're going to be there sitting there crying, and they're upset because you, I'm, I, when they get older, discipline in the Bible is love. It's an expression of love. And when they get older, they are going to see and understand and appreciate that. So if you do it right and you're not doing it angry, you know, you don't get angry with your kids when you're spanking them. You're not losing it, but you're just doing what needs to be done. And then you're, then you're uh, you know, loving on them. They're not going to look at that in a negative way at all. They really aren't, okay? There's a young lady in the back in the red dress. Can I? Since this is the last comment, no. Um, I just kind of want to just, you know, we've done the raising the boys and then now the girls. And I kind of want to add to the fact that when it comes to the moms, I think it would be very helpful for as moms to help dads how to encourage them to go to the daughters. You can't just say, you're not talking to them. You're not doing this. You're not doing that. I would a lot of times say, you know what? I think it's time you need to talk to Raquel about this. I think it's time she needs your time. And as a lot of you know, he travels a lot. So there was a lot of time over the years, I was a lot by myself with the kids. So I had to really learn to be tough because I was not going to let them run me over. You know, I was going to be there by myself for two weeks, a week and a half. And back in them days growing up, we didn't have the internet and all the cell, like you can call or FaceTime, talk to your dad right now, you know, and so it wasn't like that. I kind of let them know, I'm the boss while I'm here, and you're not going to go call your dad, you're not going to go, and, and so, but at the same time, it, I didn't have to have a lot of those days. It was more, uh, hey, when your dad comes home, you know, you, you guys going to get to do this, get to do that. I would encourage the positive side, and I never, never, uh, I don't know, my kids can remember, but never would come against when he would discipline them. You know, you're spanking them too hard, or you're too soft, you're off, or you're, you know, in front of them. It was like, is that what your dad said? And that's what we're going to flow with, you know. And so a lot of times they would want to go talk to him, because that probably was a little bit harder. <laughs> and something, because I was there with them a lot more by myself. But moms, help your husband how to 
treat those little girls. Let them know, hey, this is the time they need to hug. This is the time. Because we as girls understand that. Yeah. Sometimes you may feel that as a wife. You know, I could really use a hug right now, not this. Yeah. But you can help them, guide them through those years with those girls. And it would be, uh, if, you, if those kids know you work as a team, I guarantee you they're, they're going to feel that off of them. And you may pave a way open for the fathers to have more access into their lives. And it yeah, pays off. I, you know, I would say that... Um, uh, uh, that men are dim. Men are dim when it comes to understanding women. Amen. I expect the women to say man. I expect the men to say, what did he say? Uh, because it's true. Mondo mentions, you know, you don't know how to, ha what, how to uh, sometimes. You know, some of you, your wives here, you know, you, you get, you know, because he doesn't know. It's not that he's, he, he's, he, a lot of times they don't know. And so the reason why I say that is I can say, looking back and raising our daughter, that there were times where my wife really did help me to understand what she needed at this point. And, 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 and you know, it wasn't that I was insensitive or uncaring. You just don't know. And, and, and would be able to say, at this stage, this would be a good idea, you know, and kind of coach me along because she, had, she was at one time, you know, in, the, in that stage of her life. And, and that was invaluable to be able to do it rather than say, you know, what's wrong with you and you're not. Doing, but just if you're raising daughters right now and you're sitting here and you, that you kind of coach them along and and kind of just say, OK, this this would be good at this time and and do this and and would really help me because we don't have those reference points. And so it is an abs a teamwork, but it's an entirely different world. But pay attention to your daughters. It's so sad. I know that's upsetting to think that I describe what social media is like. Your daughters really are sheep among wolves. They really are. And if you look at our culture today and how so many little girls have nobody that looks at them and covers them and keeps them protected. They're put out there so young nowadays. And so your job is to say we're going to shield them and protect them and, and guide them and bring them to the place where God wants them to be. But that's not going to happen just because they come to church. It's not going to, it's, it's going to require mom and dad to be proactive in how to do it. If you're a single mother and you have daughters, then say, you know what, I'm going to be a part of it. I'm going to let the church become the family of God to me. And I'm going to build strong, trusted relationships so that the areas where I cannot do it by myself there will be people that will be involved in our lives and in our daughter's lives to help us. I remember Pastor Warner telling me, and I'll finish with this, about a, a girl in the Tucson church, no father, single mom comes in, and as this girl grew up, she did that, and she, she built a relationship with a, another couple. The mom was involved in it, and so when it was time for suitors to come, they had to go through this, this brother because there was no father, there was no grandfather, this brother. And so when the guys... And they would direct him to this guy. And, and so that sent a signal to all the young men. There's a man involved here. Okay, there's a bull here. And you're going to have to, this girl, in other words, she's protected. She's protected. Okay, all right, we're going to pick up next week with the strong-willed child. Okay, the Lord bless you this morning.